Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall or TV time remaining. And now, he is the Ron Burgundy of Knoxville Radio. Many consider him to be the inspiration for Ron Swanson. He's been known to enjoy a fine scotch in North Carolina. Follow him on Twitter at Landaz. He is the host of Near Fall Radio, Landon Tone. Yay, and the crowd goes mild. Thank you for that killer introduction, uh, Dapper Yapper Will Rab, which, by the way, he is my co-host, my tag team partner, and by God, he is my best friend. Follow him on Twitter at Rab Will. That's R-A-B-B-W-I-L-L. It is Will freaking Rab. Rab, how are we doing this morning, noon, or evening? I'm doing good. Uh, we finally uh, ate all the, the Thanksgiving uh, <laughs> leftovers, and so that's always good. Um, no more, uh, turkey, uh, hangover. Uh, <laughs> I believe so. that's called a tryptophan hangover. You know, I actually read one year that people think it's the tryptophan in the turkey, but it's actually that you eat 47 pounds of mashed potatoes and <laughs> no, carbs make no. you sleepy. So. I don't think so. I actually read that eating 47 pounds of mashed potatoes is not only good for you, it's great for your physique as well because you is need that, carbs that- for energy. Is, is that the trick? Is that what Brian Cage does? He eats 47 pounds of mashed potatoes at Dynamite? <laughs> yes, exactly. Which, which quick sidebar, uh, there was a picture Sonny Kiss put up of, uh, her, of, of her, her graduating from college, and there was a picture uh, of Sonny and Brian. And, of course, Brian had food in his hand. It seems like this dude is literally always eating if his eyes are open and he's awake. Well, he is he is a body guy, Mister Get His Shit In. Um, <laughs> that is true. He was on BTE one time because they were all just hanging out at like the Waffle House or Denny's or somewhere. I don't know wherever you eat when you're traveling and whatever's open. Because I mean, you don't want another Cornet uh, Wendy's. Yeah, Dairy fr- Queen yeah, flipping out at somebody at the Wendy's. <laughs> um, so he's sitting there, and everybody else is like, you know, hey, I got a Grand Slam or I got a short stack. Of, I'm having some hash browns. He's just eating, like, literally he did the Ron Swanson, bring me all the bacon and eggs you have, <laughs> minus the bacon. It's just like a two dozen egg whites, and it just looks so miserable. But, you know, it's what you got to do, I guess, if that's to, your to character. To look like that, and, and, and when, when a dude that looks like that says, bring me all the eggs you have, you don't mishear him. You bring him all the eggs you have. You don't bring him a lot of eggs, son. <laughs> bring me all the eggs you have. You but anyway, understand? I'm doing I'm doing good, man. Uh, Thanksgiving was good. I am still uh, geeked out. I have not marked out like I marked out Wednesday night in a long time, and uh, I'm excited to talk about all of it. Um, I'm sure there's some uh, stuff going on. Uh, in that other promotion, but quite frankly, we don't really have time to talk about it because so much happened. Winter did come, uh, and Dawes. I don't even know where do you want to. Where do you want to? Uh, where do you want to start with this, man? I I feel like like on the one hand, maybe we should go in chronological order and build it to the yeah. climax uh, for winter is coming. There had to be a better way to phrase that like AEW did, but I feel like it would be like, like if, if you're listening to a wrestling podcast, you know what happened this past Wednesday 
on on AEW Dynamite. And some might say the bigger story is that we have a new world champion. Some might say the bigger story is what happened with said world champion. Mm -mm. But I think the actual answer is a legend, an icon, if you will, who showed up out of the blue. Well, well, I kind of called it a couple episodes back on, on, you know, near fall radio. Not that I'm tooting my own horn, but like the answer is to quote Tony Schiavone, Skiavone, it's sting. Sting's that back was, in the world of professional wrestling, in the world of all elite wrestling. That was such a cool God. moment on like, so many, on so many levels. Uh, like, like I, I texted you when this happened, like, like you said you hadn't marked out like that in forever. I'm in the same boat. Like, like I was watching it on my couch when the screen, when the screen went dark, they started showing the video. I'm like, no, it can't be. It can't be. Then they showed the crow. I'm like, holy crap, maybe it is. And then when we see sting on, on the, on the Tony uh, Tron, big old letters sting. And here comes, here comes the icon. Like I I literally screamed out loud. I cannot remember the last time a moment in professional wrestling gave me that reaction. I screamed so loud that I scared my dog, which was kind of hilarious. I felt bad afterwards, but I was more like, okay, you're fine. It's Stang. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, 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 wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here doing this podcast. I wouldn't be watching AEW every week if I did not enjoy it. But there's, I think there's a difference between being entertained, being enjoy, enjoying it. We like to sometimes watch it, not just to see the great wrestling, but we're talking about, you know, how the sausage is being made. There's kind of this weird line that I think you and I sit on between being fans and having this show. And I think even if we didn't have the show where we analyze it, I've always been intrigued by the process of professional wrestling. So I'm drawn to... Kind of being a smart mark, being a smart, but I full on marked out. I was marking out worse than Brandon Cutler trying to find a hard cam. <laughs> Favorite new segment on BTE, by the way. Or Brandon Cutler trying to find the pay window. Yeah, <laughs> where's the pay window, guys? Uh. <laughs> Did Frankie get those anger management classes yet? He doesn't need anger management, which, by the way, shout out to Frankie Kazarian. Had a killer match uh, this past week on Dynamite and is also apparently your best friend on Twitter because he responded to you. So, you know, he, a couple times uh, he tweeted something one time and I got him to like a tweet where I replied back. Do ya? And then this week he replied back and reminded me that he doesn't need anger management classes. Uh, expletive. Well, hearing that, I, I know he's been calling Brandon uh, Cutler a mark. It's kind of starting to sound like Kaz might be a mark for his own gimmicks. Not that there's anything <laughs> wrong with that. By the way, another quick sidebar. Like, like, I want to take away the negative connotivity that comes with the term mark. Because, like, like, you don't make fun of football fans for being fans of football. You don't make fun of baseball fans for being fans of baseball. It's like wrestling is the only form of entertainment where it's like, you like this stuff, you fucking nerd mark. It's like, really? Come on. Come on, come on, y'all. The whole point of the whole point of wrestling is for you to be able to suspend your disbelief for two hours and have some fun. Exactly. Like, so like, 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 like mm -hmm. I understand. Like, I like comic book movies, the superhero movies, Marvel, uh, cinematic universe, right? Like, are the like I, I'm thoroughly convinced that Wakanda is a real place. Oh, it absolutely is. But like, other than that, you know. I'm still up in the air until I see it. I'm not a thousand percent sure that Iron Man's real. 
but there's probably he is, unfortunately it's just elon musk so we have like an evil version of iron man there you go that's the problem it's, it's elon musk that's where i was going but you go into one of those movies right like you go see a movie like you suspend your disbelief for two two and a half hours six hours if we're talking about uh the end game mm-hmm. uh and you immerse yourself in that universe and it's a fantasy and it's not real i mean heck like when we watch Home Alone, we suspend disbelief for an hour and a half because you know Joe Pesci would be dead. Yes, in real Daniel life, Daniel Stern would, would be straight up dead. Yes, Kevin so, McAllister would be charged with manslaughter. I, I think, I, I mean, all kidding aside, like I'd rather be called a Mark than a Smark. Like I would rather just be able to have those moments where I mark out and enjoy something. And that's what happened when Sting showed up because mm. I had no idea what was coming in. We talked about it. They had shown Darby Allen. He has the face paint. He had been sitting up in the rafters. And we thought, okay, maybe, you know, at this pay-per-view Sting shows up or uh, they're trying to, even if, you know, they're trying to do something, maybe even just Sting adjacent and Darby's kind of like got that Sting role in in AEW where he's the conscience of AEW because that's what Sting was, right? He was the conscience of WCW. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, they might be going for that because, I mean, Darby is now being advertised as the face of TNT, so so there might be some parallels there. Yeah. I I didn't... You had mentioned it. It was something I watched for when it didn't happen at Full Gear. I thought, okay, Sting's not coming. Yeah, I I was that way too. Which was... Perfect. So, I mean, I wasn't totally surprised. Oh, they followed through with this. We kind of seen the seeds be planted a little bit, but I totally was not expecting Sting to show up and save the day for Cody and Darby versus Team Taz. Now, the way it was going, because I viewed Winner is Coming like a pay-per-view, I was like, okay. The heels are not going to get the last word in this feud. And, and when they're going for the beatdown, like, that's not going to be the end of this segment. Something's coming. Somebody's coming mm-hmm. for the save. Somebody's but coming I expected save, QT yeah. or Dustin or somebody, you know, like to come in and just clean house like the Nightmare family. Well, Dustin, li- Dustin, if you remember, was in the ring and, and he was yeah. getting his ass whipped right. by, by Team Taz. So, I mean, at that point, like like you already mentioned, is is QT Marshall going to be, you know, the ace in the hole to come and save them? So it's like I did like the fact that there was a big surprise. But like even somebody who said, yeah, Sting could totally team up with Darby. I did not see that playing out. And much yeah. like you, I mean, I already said it's like I literally screamed out loud. I was so excited. Like, like clearly I'm a fan of the sweet sounds of professional wrestling. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. I wouldn't be, you know, uh, staying up way past my bedtime on on a weeknight to to watch uh, AEW Dynamite. But like that is that moment made me feel so young. Th- those are the moments that made me remember why I love professional wrestling. And it's like like we can talk about what Sting is going to do in the future because he is still a 62 year old man. The last time we saw him compete in a ring, Seth Rollins uh, gave him a buckle bomb, and and I thought, oh god, we might be watching Sting literally die in the ring. Um, so so he does have some physical limitations. Those are questions to be asked at a later date. And I do feel like those are fair questions to ask. But at the same time, I just want to focus on the fact that Sting debuted on Winter is Coming. Like, like this got mainstream coverage. Like ESPN was talking about it. USA Today was talking about it. Uh, so this, like, and, and AEW has handled 
bringing in and incorporating the legends in such a great fashion so far. Like, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that whatever they decide to do with Sting, the icon, the man they call Sting, like, I think is going to turn out to be very well. They've liked that manager role. And yes, Sting is full-time, all elite. They put out the, you know, because guys show up sometimes and you're not sure, but AEW, if they put out the graphic that says so-and-so is all elite, Mm -hmm. Sting is all elite. You want to know the receptionist, like you mentioned, ESPN? So, uh, there... AEW had a very good night for Winter is Coming. We'll talk about that in a minute. Sting showing up, number four on YouTube's trending feed. Mm. Moxley Omega was number eight. Sting was number four. And in less than 24 hours, Sting's first AEW shirt set a new pro wrestling tees record for the most shirts sold in 24 (laughs) hours. I think what previously, or I know at one point, the shirt that had done the most in 24 hours was Britt Baker's uh, kiss uh, knockoff. Yeah, her busted face. That sounds right. And and it's funny that there are some reports out there that part of the reason they got Sting on the Winter is Coming episode of Dynamite is that exact reason. They wanted to get the Sting merchandise in front of the Christmas rush so everybody who wants some can order some. And apparently, everybody wants some. <laughs> so... That I mean, it was a it was it was perfectly done. Uh, it was not the only thing that was perfectly done at Winter Is Coming, but the way they did Sting coming to AEW is a major major feather in uh, Tony Khan's cap. Uh, I, I people would call me an AEW stan, but <laughs> I agree with you. The way they bring in legends. They do very well. This is not a company that is built around legends. This is a company that accents its core talent, its young talent that it's trying to build up with carefully placed legends. Whether it is Matt Hardy, who's still more of a full-time in-ring performer, or Chris Jericho and what he's done with the inner circle and the young guys he's worked with and given a rub to. Or even, uh, you know, Arn Anderson or Tully uh, being managers, Vicky Guerrero being a manager in the women's division. So, uh, you know, I probably, if we'd have been doing a podcast at the time, probably did even probably in fact clown impact for the way they use legends in the past and, and the, how the WWE uses it because they, it takes all the air out of the room. I, I'm optimistic for what AEW is going to do with this. Cause so far they've had a good record of, Hey, look, cool. We got Arn Anderson, and now we have Sting, and, and Taz is here, and he's got a, a group that he leads. But the spotlight's still on the young guys. It's the legends giving the the, the rub to the, the future legends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, uh, the legends are bringing in the eyeballs, and eventually it's going to be the young guys that go over in these situations. You mentioned how like Impact would be like, okay, Sting had a very good, long, lengthy run in Impact, and it involved a lot of time with him being on top, being the champion, being the champion in a lot of different divisions. And the complaint there was the legends always buried the AEW guys, or excuse me, the Impact guys. I was watching Impact back when Kurt Angle debuted, and it's like he came in, 
and ended Samoa Joe's just undefeated killer run. And Joe was never the same after that. And it's like, uh, with the exception of AJ Styles, none of the TNA guys ever really got to that main event level where it feels like, okay, we got Kurt Angle, we got Booker T, we got Mick Foley, we got Sting, we got uh, Kevin Nash, we got... uh, I will say Christian Cage had a killer run in TNA and was kind of the exception to the rule that I'm talking about here. But uh, it was always focused on the old timers. And it's like I saw a lot of people on Twitter talking about like, oh, uh, uh, if WWE brings in an old timer, brings in a legend, it's stupid. But when AEW does it, it's 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 awesome. And it's like, well, the reason is it's like generally whenever a legend comes in to WWE, they're going to go over the uh, the young guy. I mean, like, like uh, you just have to look back last year when they brought in Bill Goldberg, who who killed the Fiend character over in Saudi Arabia. And if it wasn't for COVID-19, we were going to get a Goldberg-Roman Reigns main event at WrestleMania. Raise your hand if you have any interest in that. No hands are raised right now. And yep. so, like, if AEW does start to do that, where it's like, you know, uh, uh, Sting just defeated Kenny Omega to become the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Okay, then we can re- revisit this conversation. But right now, like Rab said, like I said, I think they've done a very good job so far with the legend. So I'm giving, I'm giving them the, the benefit of the doubt. And at the end of the day, oh my God, it's Stang. Hey, this even extends on to the, the, the commentators. I mean, I think probably the breakout star of the, and we're talking about the voices of AEW is Excalibur, who, when this company started, was, hey, why is that dumbass wearing a mask? Yep. <laughs> and and now he might be the he might be the best part of the commentary table, but he benefits from getting that rub of credibility because he's sitting next to Jim Ross and Skiavone. Mm-hmm. And and you know he he's kind of taking the lead. Uh, on guiding things, but you still have that, you know, you, you got a, a Excalibur who, who can keep up with the pace of what's going on, but then you got your two wrestling uncles uh, there to add in, you know, their hundreds of years combined of wrestling experience. So yeah. mm-hmm. it's just, it's again, it's, it, it's not what you do per se and who you do it with. It's, it's how you do it. That matters. Uh, Dawes, let's get to the uh, other Big thing. So Sting made his debut, and that was after uh, Darby Allen and Cody Rhodes uh, with uh, Mr. Waffle House himself, Arn <laughs> Anderson, uh, head coach in the Nightmare family, had defeated R- Team Taz, who were represented by Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs, in a tag team match, which was one of, I will say, one of uh, the co-main events of the evening. Did you have an issue with uh, with the way that match ended? Because like like I I don't know I understand that Darby's the new champion, but part of me was expecting uh, it to end in kind of some BS fashion, or Team Taz sneaks out the victory, like Brian Cage, who was oddly absent from ringside until he ran in, uh, would would be involved in the finish to get Team Taz the victory. I was kind of surprised there. Yeah, I was a little. Because Team like Taz is, is being built as this new badass team with, you know, these uh, these two giant uh, mountains of muscle and a true future superstar in Ricky Stark. And and they're, they're, they they just got jobbed out. Okay. Yeah, I, I would have thought there it might have been a good spot to let Team Taz get the win because it's not like this feud is, is, is burnt off. I mean, you just added another layer with Sting coming to town. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean... Exactly to see where we're going to go. Um, 
Yeah, I kind of would have thought Team Taz gets the win and then they go for the the extra revenge on, on Darby and Cody. But, you know, that whole segment doesn't really matter because Stang showed up. So. That's, yeah, that's very true. I, I might be I might be uh, nitpicking and trying to find problems in something. Because like you said, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is Stang showed up. Right, the only thing that pissed me off about that segment is literally five seconds into the match, they went to a commercial and they didn't have picture Oh, picture. yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Like, like Dynamite, I feel like, did a very poor job with their commercials, especially in the second hour of that show. It's like poorly timed commercials, spe- specifically the one spot you just mentioned all right ding 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 ring the bell and we'll be back and it wasn't even picture in picture and then in the main event with uh with with mox and omega it seemed like just just as soon as they got momentum going and they and they drew you in and we'll be back fans it's like like i'm kind of aggravated as big as this card was being built that they didn't do like limited commercials or like 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 uh like mention at the top how they mentioned several times that state farm was the uh was the official sponsor of winter is coming so I didn't like 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 State Farm pony up a little bit extra, or like uh, or we're, we're going to go limited commercial, or like like shrink the screen a little bit and 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 have have a small State Farm commercial running, like 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 that that really did aggravate me, and I think we even talked about that uh, in text. Yeah, that was that was frustrating, and I think those are all good ideas, and like that's what I would have tried to do, and maybe they even tried to, and just TNT, you know, was like, no, we still got to do this that. I will say this. I do know um, that so TNT's a cable channel, but they still have to give so many minutes an hour, one break an hour, basically to your cable company for local commercials. So, like, if you have Xfinity or DirecTV or however you're watching, they get like one break, one segment, um, more sometimes, but at least one in like a sporting event, an hour. Uh, three or four minutes where they can sell local advertising. So that's why you can be watching something on TNT or ESPN and see an advertisement for like a local lawyer or car dealership or something. So yeah, I mean, those are I, some I, of the limitations. I do get that. But at the same time, like not that long ago when Donald Trump was the kayfabe owner of Monday Night Raw, there was an episode where it was commercial free because uh, the Donald decided to pay off and buy all the commercials. I mean, Obviously, he didn't. So, so I mean, there are extenuating circumstances where where you can, you know, do that. I mean, yes, that episode did have, you know, uh, Jerry the King Lawler talking about uh, like like Subway sandwiches and stuff like that. But at the same time, it never went to commercial. So, I mean, this yeah, can I mean, be done. It it can be done, and you have to figure out make goods. And you know, maybe TNT, maybe they go back to John Board or that. But I'm with you. They they went out of their way to mention that Dynamite's presented by State Farm. It's not hard to to do limited. Uh, commercial interruption, uh, but you know, we got a pay per view for free. So I mean, yeah, that's true. It, Again, this this is me nitpicking and, and complaining about stuff. Fu- that no, really I, I, the 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 placement and the the timing could have been better. And like a couple of those backstage segments that they did, I'd have just seen them go go to commercial break and present the matches either with at, at the very worst picture in picture or no commercials mm-hmm. uh, but that's that so again Darby and Cody got the win team Taz tried to you know get some revenge after the break or after the bell and, and then Stang showed up let's just Dodds let's uh, talk about the rest of the card real quick because I know what we really want to talk about is what happened other than Sting showing up yeah the, the, what, the last the 90 event. seconds of the show holy crap mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah. Uh, so the night opened with the Dynamite Diamond Ring Battle Royal, which I thought was great uh, to start there. Mm-hmm. And they did such a good job. It turns out that the time of that match was 12 minutes and 51 seconds, and that felt like it was probably a little longer than that, but like in a good way, like it was appropriately timed. Uh, MJF and Orange Cassidy uh, were the winners of that battle royal. I kind of thought it might have been interesting just to go ahead and give MJF a you know spot to defend the diamond ring, but like I understand that how they put that match together is the last two guys or whatever. Uh, I saw some some criticism because it seems like it's an old wrestling trope at this point that somebody wins a battle royal by hanging out yes. outside of the ropes. I was actually going to bring that up. I, I, I want that uh, trope, that cliche to be locked in a box and we take that box, then we throw it in the bottom of the damn ocean because at Survivor Series a couple weeks ago, they had a battle royal on the pre-show, and that's exactly how it ended. Uh, a couple years ago, the women's battle royal at uh, at uh, WrestleMania, that's exactly how it ended. The uh, Andre the uh, Giant Memorial Battle Royal of, of the year before, I believe, at WrestleMania, that's exactly how it ended. Like, like it was cute when it was first introduced but the world of professional wrestling is abusing it, and 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 I want it to be done. Like referees need to start introducing like if it's not a ten count, you uh, you have a twenty count or something to get back in the ring, or you're disqualified. Same at the beginning of the match because it's like Sean Spears hung out on on the outside of the match and and like making kissy face at Scorpio Sky for what felt like five minutes before he actually got into the ring. It's like come on y'all, get your butt in the ring, and and like while we're at it, get that get that cliche out of there. Like like that really. I'm I'm kind of tired of it. Can I can I agree and disagree with you at the same time? No, it's so a podcast. Words, you I have do, to agree with me 100. Okay, uh, fine. In this one instance, can we do nuance? Ooh, I like to? that. Yes. <laughs> shades of gray. I'm just, I'm just looking gray. for all sorts of cliched words now. Synergy. I was, so I, I was just looking for like reviews of like winter is coming, like Fallout, and like usually get more detailed stuff for like a pay per view. But there's some good you know stuff coming out of. The reaction to this special episode of Dynamite on a very special episode of AEW Dynamite. <laughs> Mr. Drummond's yelled at Orange Cassidy's butt. <laughs> that's a deep cut and a joke for like five people, which unfortunately our listener base is three people. So. No, that's good though, because you know why? Like, I want to keep it to three to five people. There are several podcasts that I listen to. I love the AEW podcast, uh, Football and Other F Words, uh, which you should go check out if you're a Titans fan. I don't want to have to start doing live reads for Manscaped. Hey, you know what? I, on the other hand, am here to sell out. So Manscaped, Blue Chew, Manchu, whatever. Like, holla, it's your boy. And just, I'll, I'll promote other <laughs> stuff. But anyway, um, <clears throat> I agree with your premise. I agreed with, I think it was Cade Side or Bleacher Report or somebody had an opinion piece on that. I actually think it was it, Cade Side, yeah. Yeah, somebody out there in the whatever. Uh, I, I agree with you, except in this instance, because it was Orange Cassidy who was just like doing whatever. And like that's like a thousand percent what Orange Cassidy is, is he just kind of does whatever, lulls you to sleep, and then when he tries, he's really good. So... I think in this instance, it made sense because it's Orange Cassidy. It's just unfortunately, 
it's something that now shows up in like every battle royal. So like we should stop doing it, but I was cool with Orange Cassidy doing what comes natural to Orange Cassidy. I mean, like I I see the point you're making, but it's like, and, and this might be a very uh, unpopular thing to say on uh, the internet wrestling community. I don't know if Orange Cassidy needs to be continued to pr- be presented in these high profile things. Like, like I, I like the character. He's fun. But at the same time, like, I'm not saying I'm turning on OC, but I think I might kind of be turning on OC. I got you. Like, you did a little bit of fatigue. I, I think the thing to do, because the, and we'll get to this, the inner circle is fracturing. Mm-hmm. Orange Cassidy should have eliminated MJF. And it should have been Orange Cassidy and Wardlow. Ooh. And Wardlow wins the ring. Hmm. And turns on MJF because, you know, MJF can't take a second fiddle to anybody. And 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 we definitely, like, it seems like, I mean, you talked about how the inner circle might be uh, fracturing and imploding. But even on top of that, it feels like we are on the cusp of Wardlow just finally being tired of MJF shit and and turning on him. And, and it's like, I think Wardlow is in a position to have a hell of a 2021. 20, uh, we were talking about it, dude. 2021 in AEW might be the year of the big man. Oh, oh so much Wardlow. beef. So much beef. Uh, Wardlow, Brian Cage, uh, Willie Hobbs, uh, Miro, Miro, uh, Luchasaurus, Lu- the Murderhawk, Luch- the Murderhawk. Yeah, like we were saying the other day. At some point, we want a big dude beef battle. We want a beef battle royal <laughs> with, with all the with all the quote unquote big guys of the company. And oh. like, I don't even care. I don't even care if it leads to a title shot. Like they should just do it, even if they, they could just like put it on dark, just because. Like give it to me, give me what I want. Yes, yes. We're we're all Batista screaming, "Give me what I want!" Like like it can be held at the Longhorn Steakhouse that Chris Jericho lost the AEW title at, and we'll call it like the Monster Mash Battle Royal, and the winner uh, can say that they're the King of Beef Mountain or something. No, no. King of Beef Mountain sounds pretty Cracker good. Barrel had that sponsored match that one time. Maybe they want to do another Ooh, one. Oh, there we go. Though, though, I don't know if there's enough beef at Cracker Barrel. I think they'll be all right. It, but yeah, dude, it could t- 2021 really might be the year of the big man if Wardlow's set loose, if Jake Hager uh, is set loose. Or, I mean, I think at some point what I'd like to see them build to and not at the expense of anyone else, but I think like maybe just to kind of keep it fresh, like figure out a way to integrate these guys at one point. I really would like to see, even if it's just a short-term thing, I would like to see, and again, not at the expense of the full-time tag teams, but I'd like to I'd like to see Chris Jericho and Jake Hager uh, involved some way in the at the top mm-hmm. of the tag team picture. I think that would be good for the division. That could be fun. Um, and and really use it as a springboard uh, for for Hager, uh, but yeah, that's interesting. So again, MJF and Orange Cassidy going to wrestle on Wednesday uh, for the Dynamite Diamond Ring, and Orange Cassidy's probably going to be the new holder of the Dynamite Diamond Ring. We'll just see. We will see indeed. Uh, but I think that would be the most logical because what you're always trying to do is is find something that uh, pisses MJF off. So he has somebody else to start shit with. 
Uh, Britt Baker got a win over Layla Hirsch. Hold on, uh, real real quick before we leave the Battle Royal, I wanted to say another thing I liked about the Battle Royal is it was a continuation and building of like five different storylines. Oh, Matt, yeah. From Matt Hardy kind of maybe continuing to turn heel, throwing out a member of private party. Um, my MVP of that match, Miro finally looked like the murderer that we expected him to when he got brought into AEW. And uh, Tony Khan talked about it in his media scrum leading up to uh, Winter is Coming. Uh, that I, like, I Much like Wardlow, I think Miro is in for a big 2021 once he gets away from feuding over like Twitch viewers or something stupid like that. But like, and, and I loved the continuation of jungle boy and Sammy Guevara, uh, the continuation of Sammy Guevara wanting to murder MJF. I thought was a lot of fun. Uh, the dark order and maybe their drunk, uh, redneck cowboy savior hangman, Adam page. I thought that was great. Like this, this was one of my favorite battle Royals I've seen in a long time, despite the fact that I'm kind of tired of the end. Like, like, and, and, and I thought it was a perfect way to kick off that episode of dynamite. Yeah. I mean, overall it was a good match. It's just like everything else that happened on pretty much any week. Like it's a thing we say in, in, in sports all the time. I remind people on the, on the day job OTB, uh, by the way, uh, 11 a.m. the noon central time on WCDT radio. Subtle. When you win, it's never as perfect as it seems. And when you lose, it's never as bad and awful as it seems. Most things are in the middle. So this was a really good episode of Dynamite. There are things you can nitpick, though. And it's important to nitpick things because then that always keeps you striving to be better. So it's little nitpick things with the, the tag match. It's little nitpick things with the commercial placement. It's little nitpick things like don't do the lazy thing of somebody hiding outside the ring in the Battle Royal. Uh, so, uh, but I agree. Like when dynamite opened and I saw everybody standing there, I was like, yep, there we go. That's a good, that, that's a good, that, let's kick it off with this battle Royal. And then we, they go right into Jericho and Kazarian. Uh, that was, a, that was a, a, a great match. And that was a feud that was kind of put together on, on short notice, but two old pros going at it. And, uh, you really felt like maybe for a second, uh, with all the distraction, from the inner circle stuff on the outside of the ring, but then again, Jericho and that uh, Judas effect is still undefeated. Uh, and, and it'll be interesting to see there because it does look like the inner circle is fracturing. Uh, uh, Britt Baker and Layla Hirsch had an all right match. It was good. Uh, it, it, was, it, 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 was good. It, it was It was a good match. Britt Baker's able to get the the mandible claw or whatever it is, whatever she calls it. The jawbreaker uh, or something? The Wait, jawbreaker, whatever. Yeah, yeah, the, the Rings of Saturn mandible claw combo. I was actually more uh, impressed with Layla Hurst than I was Britt Baker. Like, like I think yeah. Britt Baker is a fantastic character, but when it came to the in-ring stuff, I think Layla Hurst just, just wrestled circles around her. Yeah, but it, it, was a, it was a good match. It had its, its place on the card. Again, AEW kind of has that thing where they have uh, one segment, maybe you know one match, a couple of backstage segments. Uh, for the women's division, they have that little part in the middle of the evening. But again, uh, Layla, Layla looked good. Uh, Britt Baker continues to be one of the best heels in AEW, which is saying something because they have some really good heels mm -hmm. uh, right now. And the continuation but, of the Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker uh, feud yes, building too. Yes, yes, and I'm, exci I'm excited. I'm excited. Looking very about much that. forward to that. But yeah, that's a good way to go. Uh, but 
it really all led up to we were all anticipating and, and we had talked about it privately. Man, I really hope, you know, I really hope because Tony Khan and everybody made it clear it didn't end up happening. Dynamite went off the air at 9 o'clock, but that TNT would have let them run over if that's what they would have wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And even though they even though they didn't use it, I think it was good for it to be in the back of our mind to not just assume, okay, the finish is coming at 9 o'clock and then it's going to fade to black. It was that anything can happen because this has been advertised as a 60-minute match. It can go 60 minutes. TNT will stay here. It's just it, it added to that big fight sports event you know sports in when sports in sports don't have a time limit mm-hmm. on however long it takes to finish the game you finish the game yep that was good to tell the story but also the pacing that they were introduced they were wrestling what by like 9 25 9 30 yeah it wasn't which on a normal dynamite that's fine the main event hits you know the ring the the bell rings on the main event about you know 45 past the second hour and you have about a 15, 20 minute segment to tell that story with about a 10, 12 minute match. They gave Omega and Moxley pay per view amounts of time to tell a pay per view story on free TV. And that was fantastic before we even get into what actually happened in the match. Yeah, it was a match that uh, you and I had very high hopes for. Uh, I think it delivered. Uh, I think the second half of the match, at least to me, clicked more than the first half of the match did. Uh, there's some stuff that made me kind of tilt my head a little bit sideways, uh, particularly John Moxley when when he'd been talking about like like the only thing that matters to me is this title is retaining this title. And when he hit that second paradigm shift and he had Omega dead, okay, I'm gonna go to the outside, get a couple chairs, and then we're gonna sit down and slap each other in the face, which it's like. The, that, that spot I didn't have an issue with, maybe the placement of it, if they'd done that in the first part of the match, I think it really could have uh, worked better, maybe set the tone. But it's like when, when, when they really hit their stride, I really enjoyed what they did. Omega, I mean, like that, that, that easily to me was his best singles match in AEW. I mean, granted, it, it seems like he's had more killer tag team matches with his pairing with Hangman Adam Page during the time that AEW has been, uh, you know, in existence. And, and it's like Moxley continues to deliver uh, these hardcore, just hard-hitting matches. I did like that it was kind of a juxtaposition. It's like, all right, we're going to try and keep this an actual wrestling match. We're going to, you know, not resort to, you know, any crazy BS crap, you know, hardcore wrestling and then and then eventually it's like like that dam broke and there was some outside brawling and and it's like there there was there was quite a bit of outside brawling uh more so than i thought it was going to be especially when there was kind of that gentleman's agreement it's like we're we're going to leave the the garbage wrestling at home this time john and 10 minutes maybe less than that into the match they're just brawling on the outside for five minutes and it's like you could feel the the throbbing uh blood vessel in Jim Ross's head as he just got frustrated with the referee not enforcing a 10 count and it's like I understand where he's coming from but also at the same time it kind of made me laugh and it's like that's 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 just the way AEW is and it is I guess up to the referee's discretion in big moments to uh to quote Godzilla let them fight and and I I, I really enjoyed especially that last half of the match where, and then Don Callis getting interjected at first. I was like, Oh, come on, let's, let's not do this BS finish where it's like, we're, we're going to get a stoppage and then we're going to get outside interference. But I, 
it worked for me. Like, and, and the way that Callis got the mic into uh, Moxley in the ring, I thought was so smooth. Like, I didn't even notice it was in the ring until it happened. It's like, oh, oh, hell, hell. Okay, all right. I thought it was, it, it was a, a great match. I, t- I, I told you the thing I liked, it was old school wrestling. It reminded you of the old days. And I guess maybe going back, we'll just say the old days. I'm not going to try to pick out a a particular decade. But when you saw a wrestling match, yes, there was some outside the ring stuff. But I felt like I was watching old school NWA Jim Crockett mid-Atlantic championship wrestling in terms of the style of match that was presented. It was a physical, technical, uh, tactician's match. It was each of the wrestlers using their strength, which is John Moxley's known for his physicality. I think Kenny Omega's known for being a tactician, right? And, and being able to do the, the chain wrestling and the counters and all that, and it was presented perfectly, and then the end gave you that, oh my God, anything can happen vibe, which we've kind of, I don't want to say it's been missing in in pro wrestling, but it's gotten to where, at least for us two, we're not surprised very often unless Stang shows up. Mm -hmm. And and that that, that might be some of our own doing, just because we are, reading, quote, the dirt sheets and stuff like that. And, and, and we, uh, you, you talked about how it's like, even though we, we like to see how the sausage is made, we still have a understanding of what happens in the backstage. So, so maybe, maybe that's kind of on our part. But, yeah, I, I see well, what you're I, saying. I think, too, is some of the way things are presented because we get so used to, the, again, the WWE style. What happened at the end of Dynamite, that – wouldn't happen in the WWE anymore. They would make you buy the pay-per-view to see that. Now, maybe in the 90s, in the Attitude Era, that could have happened. You know what I'm saying? Like on WCW, on Nitro, stuff like that would happen back in the day. Certainly, if you're watching ECW, ECW would have done some stuff like that. The lights would have gone out. Sting would have showed up. You know, it would have just been, like, anything could happen back in the old ECW days. Um, and, and I'm not saying that because it's a little bit more predictable, it's bad, but a lot of times, you know, okay, well, the, the odds are, uh, the, the champion's going to keep the belt. How are, how are they going to tell that story? Uh, I mean, I, I, I didn't see how that may, other than Kenny Omega winning, that didn't surprise me. Everything else, how that played out at the end was a, a total surprise because even when Don Callis showed up at commentary, I'm so used to there being a guest commentator on AEW. I mean, there they was that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Don Callis showed up at the last pay-per-view for the Kenny Omega match. And it's like, I thought that was a very subtle planting of the seeds looking back on it. It's like, oh, okay, Don's just back because he's Kenny's boy. Yeah. It's, it's just like it was at what, Full Gear? Just like it was at Full Gear. Mm-hmm. And even Don Callis coming to ringside. Okay, that made sense. Because like you said, you thought okay, it was going to be some kind of hokey bullshit finish. And Don Callis basically you know, throws the towel in for Kenny Omega. And 
the 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 match gets called because of a medical reason and it sets up a rematch because it's basically a draw and uh John Moxley escaped and you know he's the fighting champ and so he'll yeah I'll give Kenny Omega another match and I'll beat his ass twice and prove that I'm better than him type thing or whatever but that was so perfect because it was all everybody uh in the Omega camp setting everybody up for there to be a screw job, basically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, at least this time it wasn't a legit screw job. Nobody had to get punched in the shower at uh, <laughs> the arena in, in Montreal, in Maple, in Maple Leaf Garden or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, and the way that everybody else sold it to really hammer home that this was a screw job from Jim Ross, Excalibur, Tony Schiavone, breathlessly asking, what the hell's going on? What's happening to uh, Tony Khan standing up uh, at, uh, at the dusty position, like, like hands up, like, what are you guys doing? Like at, at them running out, sprinting. They had a car waiting. Like, and then Tony Schiavone at the front, this is bullshit. That, <laughs> like, like bravo for everybody involved. I, I like the way they, they got it across. I thought was just so dang good. Again, I think it comes back to the fact that AEW uh, may overbook themselves sometimes, but it, it, at the same time, they also don't overproduce everything. Because, like, Vince would have sat down with Jim Ross and Excalibur and Shivani and would have talked about, well, and this is going to happen. And at this exact moment, when Kenny goes through the tunnel, you need to say X, Y, and Z. No, Vince. You need to have that authentic moment. Like, you know, JR and, and Tony and Excalibur knew Sting was showing up because they had to know, okay, lay off, lay back when Sting comes out because it's Shivani who's going to have the it's Sting moment because that's a, you know, homage to WCW back in the day. I don't know, man. Like, like they, I do agree they knew what was coming, but I feel like, like that was a genuine read, a genuine line from, from uh, Shivani. It was, but my point was he knew he, he, it was a genuine line. They didn't tell him what to say, but he even said on the post show that, you know, he knew it, it was he was the guy who was supposed to have the line when the big moment came. Okay. That right. when Sting comes out, we don't know when it's gonna be, but when Sting comes out, Shivani, this is this is your spot. You're the guy who's supposed to have the big reaction. Uh sorry folks, breaking kayfabe there, but <laughs> the, it was a genuine moment. And I think the stuff at the end w- was pretty genuine because when you just let those guys or they're out there and they have enough wrestling knowledge that they can react to what's happening instead of having to read a line, you get good stuff like, you know, uh, Omega and Callis running like scalded dogs. JR knows the line to go to. Uh, Shivani saying it's bullshit, you know. Uh, it, it was, it can be genuine even if you have an idea what's coming because you don't overdo it. You just let the mm-hmm. guys go out there and you trust them to react to stuff. And it felt That's so well, refreshing. you got to have good announcers. You know? Yeah, and, and, and it felt so refreshing, especially compared to, you know, the WWE side of it, where it's like Michael Cole is coached and every one of his lines, it's like, like if, if I never hear Michael Cole scream, it's the big dog or it's boss time. Like, if I never hear that again, it will be too soon. And, and it, like that's that's that that's was my takeaway. It was just so refreshing to hear these people. You talked about like they have a wealth of wrestling knowledge for them to just play off of it and to be organic in the moment and not have like you said to memorize line X Y and Z. Like like that it it really made the moment feel 
a that much bigger and b that that more real which which i know you know we already broke kayfabe earlier so sorry guys but it, it, it it's very again i go back to the word refreshing in today's world of professional wrestling it's okay so it's like when i'm calling a a, a a ball game i don't have a script obviously i know there are things i want to touch on because i've studied the only time i write something out i have a little voiceover at the beginning of the intro, I'm doing a little like pre-recorded scene setter that leads into the the intro billboard with the sponsors. And I'll write that out because I need that to be 20 seconds. So I need to have a composed thought. Other than that, I'm just trying to organically fit in all the research and the notes I have. And that's what AEW is letting them do. There are some moments where they have something written out or they're going through uh, set, going through the card, doing the scene setter where they have the graphics and that's probably kind of sort of written out or Giovanni has a ticket live read he needs to do or a shop AEW live read he needs to do. But other than that, they just kind of have notes of talk about this, talk about that, and it's not scripted out. It's you need to hit this here, but do it in what's authentic to you and react to the moment as if you don't know what's coming. Mm-hmm. Like, here's what's coming. You need to react to it, but I don't care what you say. You just need to sell the moment. Which, again, it's like, I, I, I don't want to keep comparing AEW to WWE, but that's kind of hard to do when they're the two big dogs, no pun intended, in uh, North America when it comes to professional wrestling. Like, that's so nice that AEW is letting them react, where as opposed to, like, w- w- we've heard... Uh, uh, performers who have left WWE. I mean, it seems like it's a rite of passage to show up on uh, AEW Unscripted or talk as Jericho and talk about, all right, here's your promo. And then the writer hands them a script and it's like like two and a half pages that they have to memorize and then go out there and be like, okay, like these are the words that you're giving me, but this this, this isn't me. And, and you've talked about on previous episodes, like the best performers in professional wrestling are just people taking themselves and turning it to 11 and making it a character. Yeah, like, there's probably a little bit of, you know, like the MJF character is way over the top, but he probably is kind of arrogant. And Chris Jericho is actually a real-life rock star Mm -hmm. after 30 years of being in the business. So him walking around as a leader of the inner circle acting like he's this big deal rock star, he's a big damn deal. He's Chris damn Jericho. Yep. Um, You know, so whoever it is, Again, the guys who are coming through the screen are being true to themselves. Even even with Matt Hardy and all the versions of Matt Hardy and him kind of being weird, it's his thing he came up with. It's his idea. So he's being true to himself because he's executing his idea. Uh, so, But again, there's just so much to unpack. The match... Aside from them calling the match because of like a medical thing and that being the gimmick, however that main event would have ended. I mean, if John Moxley would have won, it like okay, cool, John Moxley won again. But they would have. I think it would have left you wanting to see another match because it was so back and forth. But I thought it was great, uh, Daz. We don't know how big of a partnership this is going to be in the future but 
I think it's been a long time since there's going to be as many people looking forward to watching Impact on Tuesday. <laughs> yep. It's been a lo- it's been a long maybe back to the weekly pay-per-view days that people are anticipating tuning into TNA Impact Wrestling. Like I would uh, have loved to have seen the Google Analytics of like at, at 10:01, 10:02, 10:05 Eastern time uh Wednesday night what the analytics of were how to watch impact wrestling, because I mean, following that ending with Don Callis saying, uh, the next time you'll see the world, uh, or the AEW champion, uh, Kenny Omega, and you'll get your answers is on Tuesday. And then Alex Marvez says, but, but, but Don dynamite's on Wednesday. And he said, that's right. Tuesday on impact on eight or what access TV. It's like, what the fuck? Like I, Wow, you could have given me a thousand guesses, and I don't. I don't think I would have landed on. Yeah, this match is going to lead to an AEW uh, Impact partnership, and you did make reference to it. And and there's there's a report that came out right before we started uh, uh, recording this episode that uh, maybe those people that have been uh, dreaming of, of of dream matches between FTR and the North, and they future booked everything going on. Maybe they need to. Uh, slow their rolls, so to speak. Uh, but we'll get to that report in the uh, in one second. Um, at least for a couple weeks, like like the wrestling world as a whole is going to have to pay attention to Impact Wrestling. And, and I will say, Impact Wrestling has been doing some good stuff over the last couple uh, years. They're no longer, you know, lol TNA when Dixie Carter and crew were running it and uh, lowballed AJ Styles and ran him off. But I like, yeah. Kenny Omega, the AEW world champion, is going to show up in the impact zone to talk about what happened on All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. And oh, by the way, Kenny Omega still is a a triple A champion. So and he's going to defend that title. I think it's either today or next Friday. So in the span of a week, Kenny Omega is going to appear on Impact, AEW Dynamite and then triple A. That's another one of those things, like even aside from what may or may not come, because again, that report suggests that it's, you know, a a limited uh, partnership for like this storyline and maybe one or two other uh, matches and some cross talent that AEW operates in a world where other organizations exist. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, we've already seen it with their partnership with NWA. Like, like, like they're they're not. Uh, here I go comparing them to the WWE again. Like the WWE in their WWE universe, it's Raw, it's SmackDown, and it's NXT, and I guess WCW and ECW and whatever they've bought and so that they can show on uh, on on the network. It it's again. I go back to this word refreshing that. AEW is aware of the rest of the world and, and AEW kind of views it like everybody taking all their toys, dumping them out on the playground and be like, all right, well, my Spider-Man's going to fight your Optimus Prime and my Optimus Prime is going to fight your Barbie and, and, and your Barbie's going to going to fight um, a dinosaur. It's like, like wrestling, like it, it's, it's so much more fun when it's being shared with everybody as opposed to in a tight universe shaped bubble. Well, I mean, don't insult our intelligence, right? Because like exactly. AEW was kind of made for the smart wrestling fan and for these guys that the average wrestling fan hadn't heard of but had done all these great things on the indies. And so we know the Young Bucks and Kenny worked in Japan. And we know 
that the Young Bucks and Excalibur and some of these other guys from Southern California wrestled in PWG and in the Indies and spent some time in, in Ring of Honor or were on Impact and are this champion or, like you say, Kenny, Away, Kenny Omega's the AAA Mega champion. John Moxley holds uh, a U.S. title belt in, in New Japan mm-hmm. in pro wrestling or, um, you know, I get it's a podcast and, I, and and the podcast is a shoot and it's a little bit different from TV, but like every time somebody comes on uh, Unrestricted, what's the first thing they do? Aubrey runs through all their accomplishments. Yep. Like they exist mm-hmm. in a universe. It's And again, it make it's that being that sports-based program. It doesn't matter if it's the NFL, the NBA, NASCAR, you know, like when we're talking about actual sports and you're telling somebody's story, you mentioned, hey, they, you know, uh, may have played baseball in Korea or they played basketball in China or overseas or whatever. Like these other organizations exist that were part of their journey to where they are now. And it's authentic to talk about it because it's not diminishing AEW. It's saying, hey, we these got you may not know about this person but they're very they're very experienced they're very good and it actually elevates AEW. Mhm. Well, I mean and I we, think we, the WWE acting like there's nothing else in their mind I guess makes it the ultimate the pinnacle or whatever and everything's their creation but again AEW acknowledging hey, you know, Thunder Rosa's wrestling with us now she was the NWA champ or Kenny Omega's like everybody knows Kenny Omega's resume anyway. If you go read it on the internet, mm-hmm. it, it shows to the people who may not like or who aren't like you and I who knew Kenny Omega was really good. Hey, Kenny Omega has some bona fides. The Young Bucks have some bona fides. They've not just been like wrestling at the county fair on the Indies. They have bona fides, and if they're the face of AEW, AEW, and therefore ex- by extension their championships are legit because these guys are really good. They're accomplished. And I mean, like, like we saw instances of that even on this last episode of Dynamite, like during the uh, Kaz-Jericho uh, match, JR mentioned how Kaz owns uh, one-on-one victories over Okada in New Japan, and Okada is considered one of the best wrestlers in the entire world. We even uh, He made mention to uh, Powerhouse Hobbs' football career, uh, and that, like, even outside the world of wrestling, that helps build up the entire promotion where... I really shouldn't have said I'm going to stop comparing WWE to AEW. I apologize. But uh, on the flip side, WWE, when AJ Styles, when Gallows and Anderson showed up in WWE, the most we got up until AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura um, uh, squared off in their uh, feud leading into WrestleMania was, these guys were big in Japan. The fuck does that mean? Like they're big in Japan. What are they? Godzilla? Like, like, come on. Like, like you said, if you're making your superstars feel bigger and feel more traveled, so to speak, it makes your organization, it makes your championship feel bigger. So it's like, I, I, again, it's refreshing that they're not insulting our intelligence as you so eloquently put it. Yeah. Like it's not a knock on the NFL to say, Hey, you know, uh, so-and-so quarterback, uh, you know, Warren Moon or Randall. Hell, e- even even this year, uh, a backup quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, P.J. Walker. He was a standout in the XFL. And you know what they mentioned every day or the uh, when uh, P.J. Walker started for the Carolina Panthers? He was a standout in the XFL. 
Yeah, it means he's bona fide. It means it's the because if you don't, then you know, oh, who's this scrub coming off the street? Now the Broncos actually had to play a scrub off the street. Oh this my week. god, and that football game sucks so bad. Oh, it was so bad. It made me it hate was, football for three hours. I'm a Saints fan, and I was not mad when they went back to the Fox Studios and Kurt Menefee was like, "This game is out of hand. Would you like to watch?" <laughs> The 49ers upset the Rams. And nobody in my in my family full of Saints fans, nobody was mad that they turned off the Saints game when it was 31 to 3 in the fourth quarter. That game was but, so damn bad. The Broncos had one pass for more than 10 yards. But, one. In a perfect sorry, this isn't a sports podcast. Please continue. But you gotta give people's bona fide. You talk about Warren Moon or Randall Cunningham back in the day. Or Kurt Warner had to come off the bench to replace Trent Green. And you're like, okay, this guy might know what he's doing. He's had some experience. He played in the Arena League. He played in Europe. Like, he has a background. He has a a, a, a pedigree where he's shown his potential before. And that's, what, that's really what AEW is doing is saying, hey, you're not familiar with some of these guys, or this young guy is going to be is an up-and-comer and he's going to be a star, but we didn't just grab him off the street. And I think maybe that's sort of the problem with WWE too, is they're just kind of grabbing guys off the street because they'll go find an old ex-football player or something and, and turn them into a wrestler instead of going find wrestlers. No, well, I mean they do they do that, but also on the flip side, back when AEW was going from more of a dream to an actual thing, they went through a buying spree and just buying up everybody on yeah, the indie true. scene and then putting them on the sideline just so they don't go sign with the competition. Well, that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, like, 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 yeah, yeah, a little bit of that. Well, I just say my point is, like, again, the bigger picture to acknowledge that there is a universe, there is a world of wrestling, and there are paths you can take through the wrestling world to AEW mm-hmm. just makes AEW more legit. Like, it, it's not a rub, a, a rub in a bad way that the NWA wants to be involved with AEW. It's a credit to AEW. They have a platform. The NW it, it, it helps both sides. It's the same thing doing this with Impact, even though it's really just a favor to Don Callis, it looks like. Yeah, we'll get into that report in a second. <laughs> uh you know, it doesn't diminish AEW to acknowledge impact, and I don't think it not it diminishes impact to want to work with AEW. It is taking advantage of a platform. It is saying, hey, look, there are these guys that are involved and they're in the wrestling business and and they might be in these other companies, but we have established a platform that other people would be a, would like to be a part of. And if we can put out something entertaining to you, the fan, we will co-promote something with someone else because it makes good business sense. And it used to happen back in the day all the time. Mid-South Wrestling, the Continental Wrestling Association, were not full-fledged NWA members. But if it made sense for Jerry Lawler and Ric Flair to work a match for the NWA Championship or the AWA Championship or whatever it was, and they'd do the same thing with Bill Watts and Ric Flair in Mid-South, they would do it because it would put money in their pocket, and that was what was important. Mm-hmm. This is a profit deal at the end of the day. All right, so let's uh, talk about what could, real quick, what could be the future uh, with impact and AEW, and then and then and then wrap this uh, puppy up. Yeah, uh, like I said earlier, if you were already dreaming of you know the Good Brothers fighting the Young Bucks or FTR fighting the North or uh, Thick Mama Pump Jordan Grace fighting like Sheeta or something like that, I, I'm sorry to be the one to throw a uh, 
cold bucket of reality on your dream because this one kind of bums me out. This is uh, from Cage Side Seats. They have report uh, sources told Wrestling Inc. that, quote, the relationship between Impact and AEW is not currently scheduled to be that intertwined. End quote. The site write-up from Nick Hossman goes on to specify that Omega's December 8th appearance on Impact will be a one-of. It's expected that the Good Brothers will show up on Dynamite at some point for a match, likely but not confirmed to be against the Young Bucks. That's it. AEW president Tony Khan is said to have signed off on the plan, which was, quote, largely done as a favor from Omega to Don Callis, end quote. While we can't speculate on why both sides would go through with any short-term plan when there isn't a bigger one uh, scheduled, namely AEW getting the nitro like anything can happen we've been experiencing since Wednesday night and Impact getting more positive publicity than they've received in years the Wrestling Inc. report goes on to point out another factor. Quote, we have heard that Don Callis' contract with Impact Wrestling may be coming up at the end or may be coming up next month, excuse me. Once Callis is done with Impact, it sounds like he would move to AEW full time to work as Omega's on screen manager. So I'm not going to lie, uh, reading that does kind of bum me out because I was one of those thinking of like, Oh wow, this could be really awesome! Like, like I want to see Willie Mack and 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 Will Hobbs uh, square off. I want to see uh, uh, Chris Bay get in uh, in in a dynamite ring and fight like hell anybody because Chris Bay is awesome. But it's like. <sighs> I do like the fact that this report says that the Good Brothers are going to show up on Dynamite and maybe fight the Bucks because I'll be honest, we still don't have payoff from who attacked John Moxley a couple weeks ago on Dynamite. And ever since uh, Winter is Coming episode of Dynamite, I have been convinced that it was in fact Gallows and Anderson that laid out John Moxley on behalf of Kenny Omega. Now, maybe with this, if this report is accurate and they do show up, on a episode of Dynamite, maybe they could get that payoff. But at the same time, like I'm, I'm a little bummed that it's just going to be like a couple shows and then uh, kiss, kiss, good night. I mean, yeah, because I think there's some good opportunities, like you said, thick mama pump working in the women's division against some people. Oh uh, my god, Dynamite! Like, like everybody's been talking about how like like there's there's no benefit for AEW to be working with Impact. It's all Impact's uh, gain working with AEW. I think uh, the AEW women's division would get a massive rub working with the Knockouts division because it's not just Jordan Grace that that AEW would get a rub working with. It's somebody like Deanna Perazzo. It's somebody like Madison Rain. It's somebody like Kimberly Rosemary. Give me some Rosemary and Abaddon, or Rosemary, or, uh, uh, son, uh, Sue Young and Abaddon, uh, Taya Valkyrie, uh, Tennille Dashwood, the former WWE Emma. Like, I think that the AEW women's roster could get such a big rub from working with any of these women. And it's, 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 it's kind of going to be a bummer if it's just, you know, right, here's Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers are going to fight the Bucks. Good night. I mean, a little bit. I also think I, I don't think it's bad to take a measured approach and to say, okay, Kenny wanted to do a favor for his buddy Don Callis. It looks like Don Callis maybe his contract has is going to come to an end with Impact, and instead of staying with Impact, AEW uses this opportunity now, and he can go, you know, be Kenny's manager. They already kind of established this storyline because Don Callis appeared on a television a couple times and helped the dastardly heel Kenny Omega because. You know, a Kenny Omega's full-blown heel now because, mm -hmm. you know, the old scalded. How how long has it been since we've seen a good old scalded dog coward heel, right? <laughs> uh, it, it, it was just to establish that and then maybe, you know, 
uh, set up a short-term thing because the Good Brothers would like to work with the Bucks because the Good Brothers kind of feel bad, maybe a little bit, because they didn't come work in AEW uh, at the start like they were going to. And, and that just kind of maybe, you know, it's a short-term thing now, but it plants the seed for down the road. And the biggest thing is, again, we talked about this off the air, the NWA-AEW partnership was not originally forged by Tony Khan and Billy Corgan uh, connecting and NWA looking for a platform with their uh, production on hold right now because of uh, coronavirus. It was Tony Khan realizing, hey, you know what? Thunder Rosa is somebody we would like to work with. Well, she had a contract with NWA, so she has to honor her contract, and Billy Corgan was kind enough to let her make a guest appearance, basically, in AEW programming because NWA is not doing anything anyway. Uh, so it didn't end up being this broader uh, partnership. We haven't seen Nick Aldis or, or anybody else. else. That's mostly because Nick Aldis doesn't want to go on AEW because Nick Aldis is a dumbass. <laughs> um, but that's a limited partnership, but it's definitely benefiting the women's division. And this limited to start out, to be cautious with it, basically. Let's start small and then go big instead of let's going big and we don't have a good idea for everybody and we mess up the whole invasion angle for the 800th time in wrestling. Like, don't mess it up. Start small and then take a big bite later. Um, it's, uh, you know, one of the things they teach you if you, I like to cook, right? So one of those phrases they, they teach you when you're a young cook or somebody who's learning how to cook you can always add. It's really hard to take away. So, you know, don't put too much salt in something because it's going to taste like shit. Put a little bit, taste it, and then add more if you need to. So do the same thing. Take a little bite from Impact. Do this limited thing. Establish Don Callis as Kenny's manager um, and that there can be crossover between different brands if it makes good business sense and then grow upon it. Like, okay. if you're going to work with somebody... It, it, it doesn't even have to be outside talent. If you're going to bring somebody in the fold, have a good plan to bring them in the fold and then grow off of that. Because I think everything that they could potentially be doing with this limited partnership between the two brands is all going to be really good. And if it's all really good, you can build upon that. Yeah. And, and I, I guess when you lay it out like that, it does make sense. And it's like, I don't even when, when I was talking about like, you know, I want, I want to see this guy first fight that guy or, or this, this lady fight that lady. I don't know if I necessarily want like a full blown 2001 ECW slash WCW invasion of WWE, because we all saw how that turned out and it was, it was not great, but I, and you do make sense with it's like start with a little and if it works, you can build more of it. That said, if it, if this does just end up being just a little, part of me is going to be a little disappointed. Because, oh, yeah. because, <laughs> because I do feel like part of the excitement that I've had since uh, that episode of uh, Winter is Coming is thinking about, holy crap, like, like, like this, this, honestly, it feels like when WCW superstars started showing up on WWE programming. Now, of course, we all knew that Vince McMahon owned WCW, so it wasn't like a true invasion. But at the same time, it was still a very like, oh, my God, what's going to happen type moment. And, 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 and we still have a couple of those episodes coming as of our recording. I mean, we have the upcoming episode of Dynamite uh, and the upcoming episode of uh, Impact. So 
yeah, okay, you've you've kind of talked me off the ledge, so to speak, when it comes to this report. It's like 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 just because they're saying this doesn't necessarily mean when if if they see that it does bump the numbers for everybody and they do realize that there's money to be made, maybe maybe they can uh, work out a few more dates. Here's the other thing too. You want to keep people on their toes. So if there's this full-fledged partnership you announce or like when, you know, there was the the McMahon family for the invasion angle had bought WCW, you knew guys were, you knew uh, WCW talent was going to start showing up at WWE, WWF at the time because WCW was out of business. Mm -hmm. So again, it may very well be true, but also it could be a thing of, Hey, we can talk about this limited thing because people know Kenny Omega is going to be involved with this and Hey, yeah, maybe we'll give him a little bit more. It's not just Kenny Omega. They're the, the good brothers may be coming wanting to work with the Bucks on a couple matches and maybe even work a pay-per-view down the line. But keep people on their toes. Like you and I thought, hey, it's a possibility. You know, there's some uh, subtle hints alluding to Sting and Darby, but we were still caught off guard when Sting showed up on Wednesday. Very true. So you don't want people overthinking it and expecting all these people to show up. It also it kind of harkens to there was a couple times. In the early days of Raw, when w or ECW had just kind of gotten established, that mm-hmm. every now and again Vince McMahon would have some ECW guys show up on WWE programming, kind of as a thank you to Paul Heyman and a make good because Vince was taking Paul's talent because Vince had money. Yeah, and also and also Vince was totally kind of on the secret funding ECW according to to legends allegedly. Yeah, he was kind of using it as like a developmental ground. So he would let them, he would give them a rub every now and again. It's fine if just AEW's kind of giving AEW an impact or just kind of, you know, doing these mutually beneficial small things. You want to keep everybody guessing. You don't want everybody to show up and then we're having to figure, okay, what are we going to do with so and so that we really don't have anybody, anything for? You know what I'm saying? Like, keep people guessing, keep it limited which is harder and harder to do these days. And so then six months from now, uh, the Young Bucks win a match or whatever, and the Motor City Machine Guns run out there and kick the shit out of them. I want to see that match so <laughs> and bad. You, and you, and you, you don't see it coming, right? Like, you don't expect. <laughs> like, we get, to, we get to Revolution in February, and, and the Good Brothers and the Young Bucks have a seven-star match, and it would have been eight if it would have been in the Tokyo Dome, <laughs> and they tear the house down for 35 minutes, and then the Motor City Machine Guns come out there and stomp the shit out of them. I'm here for that, it. I'm here for it. Like, keep me guessing. Uh, in, in every facet of it, keep me guessing of who's going to show up. Yeah, and that would... Because like, mm-hmm. I'll still be eagerly awaiting... Hey, is this the moment that the Good Brothers show up to work with the Bucks? But it's a whole lot more fun. What like it, it literally a whole lot more fun when literally out of nowhere the arena goes black. Who is this? Oh my God! It's the Good Brothers. Or at the end of Dynamite, Kenny ran off, and we had no idea he was going to show. Up. Nobody had a slightest clue. If anybody told you, hey, I bet you what's going to happen is Omega wins, Don Callis runs interference, and then they show up on Impact. That dude needs to buy some lottery tickets. Like, keep me guessing, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean those those are all 
really good points. And it's like, even, even if it doesn't end up, you know, with the whole impact invading AEW and vice versa, even if we do only have these handful of crossover uh, dealings, I guarantee you it will still be better than the 2001 invasion involving uh, ECW, WCW, and WWE because none of Vince McMahon or his doofus son or daughter will be involved. Uh, Rab, this has been a good episode, breaking down a much better episode of Dynamite. Uh, Do you have any final thoughts and or plugs you want to hit before we uh, hit the dough? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said earlier, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at RabWill. I have a daily sports talk show off the bench Mondays through Fridays, 11 to noon central time on WCDT radio. And uh, you can find, you can listen live or get a link to the podcast at WCDTradio.com. Check that out. I have some other specialty programming that I I, I do uh, covering high school sports, but uh, check out OTB daily if you want more of me just giving my thoughts on the world of sports. And, uh, you know, just remind everybody to be safe and smart this holiday season so it's not the last holiday season that you celebrate <laughs> with the friends and the, and the family. And I don't mean that jokingly or to be morbid or anything, but, uh, you know, we it's uh, uh, the, the, the Corona's uh, uh, got the hot tag and battling back with a vengeance, so don't let it get you stuck in the corner uh, and isolated. Uh, uh, wear that mask, wash your hands, and, and do what you need to do so we can uh, get the victory over this SOB. Help's coming. Yep, hope is coming. We have a uh, vaccine, a couple of them, allegedly around the bend. But for us to get around the bend, we have to keep wearing them damn masks and washing your damn, damn hands. Follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Landoz, L-A-N-D-O-Z. So you can find the latest for me, 280 characters at a time. I also run a website, buttmunchchips.com. Buttmunchchips, sit on your button munch. That's where you can find really, really outdated podcasts on a lot of just really dumb crap. In lieu of that, I invite you to go to the iTunes store and search for the Monday Morning Monorail podcast. That is a family-friendly podcast of the latest from the happenings of the House of the Mouse, Walt Disney World down in Orlando, Florida. Uh, I uh, make some appearances on that. It's hosted by my buddy Justin Monorail and his uh, Monorail family. It's fun stuff uh, if you're a fan of Mickey Mouse and all that uh, happenings. I also appear on the Phil Show, News Talk 98.7 WOKI radio station locally here in Knoxville, Tennessee, streaming 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern standard time at newstalk987.com available uh in the iHeartRadio app and the newstalk987 app as well and before we uh sign off uh rest in peace pat patterson the uh wrestling world lost a legend today a brilliant mind a uh uh i lost count of how many people i saw on twitter you know superstars that worked with him in the past uh if you needed a finish you go to Pat. Like he put together so many famous finishes, so many matches involving Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, The Undertaker, The Rock, Kurt Angle, and uh, not to mention his in-ring uh, accolades. He was the first ever WWE Intercontinental Champion, and uh, he also invented a little something called the Royal Rumble, and that seems to be a popular thing. A very uh, beloved guy, it seemed like. So rest in peace, Pat Patterson. And uh, to quote Frank Sinatra, and apparently his go-to karaoke song, he did do it. My way. Well, his way, but, you know, the name of the song is My Way. Real quick, on Pat Patterson, I just want to say uh, he was uh, smiling down uh, Wednesday night when uh, he saw Dynamite because he saw it because he's Pat Patterson and he's awesome <laughs> up there watching from the uh, uh, seats in the stars. Pat Patterson, I think, would have been proud of a, a couple of the things, a couple of those finishes that they had on, on Dynamite. That was... Uh, a, a fitting tribute to him uh, with, with some of the creativity that the AEW 
uh, exhibited on Wednesday night. Yeah, and there were also a couple of subtle tips of the cap to uh, Pat. Uh, when John Moxley ended his promo, let's go banana, that was a uh, very subtle nod to Pat Patterson. And I will say, I went back and uh, watched it. Uh, NXT's opening, they had a very nice video montage uh, in tribute of Pat. So uh, go check that out. Uh, if, uh, but uh, maybe maybe have some, uh, some tissues on the standby because uh, some ninjas might start cutting onions around you. But uh, yeah. So for uh, The Will Rab, I'm A. Landon Doan. Thank you so much for joining us on another edition of Near Fall Radio. You've been great. We've been Near Fall. Thank you very much. to find all my wonderful lines because my phone keeps <laughs> locking and i got to scroll up because we talk too much. Damn it, Rab. We're a semi-professional podcast. Come on, man. No, no. We're not even that.